0: you're listening to two guys talking wine with michael pincus and andre prue hello michael andre we suck yeah we do suck uh let's keep this short and sweet we have two very special guests uh i don't know why we haven't had them on sooner but uh, do you think they will be just... on again? Yeah, let's roll the tape. This past weekend, I went down to Niagara to stop by what is one of the—I think it's the first, if not the first—one of the first wineries that you drive by when you come
1: into Niagara from Toronto. I think they're—I the, think they're—they're they're the second, but I don't know uh, if Puttacom is making wine anymore.
2: Uh, They they are. Um, I think they're maybe a few feet uh, closer to Toronto than we are, but uh, they've got a long driveway. So let's just say we're the the first stop.
1: (laughs) Who is that angelic voice? Uh, The first first voice comes in. Uh, So that clarifies that one. Andre, continue on with your introduction, because I think people are going to be surprised that we are going to be uh, 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 talking about, amongst other things, Chardonnay again.
0: That's what happens when you let me handle the bookings.
1: I, You know what? I am starting to realize that now that we are past the 200 episode, that I am going to have to start taking a firmer hand in what we're booking.
0: I have an agenda.
1: I know you do, and i got to stop it.
0: <laughs> I, I visited one of my favorite little wineries that could, um, and I'm very happy to be joined by Ilya and Nadia Senchuk of Leaning Post Wines.
1: I'm here too, you bastard. <laughs>
3: hey guys, how are you doing?
1: <laughs> hey, how are you guys doing today?
3: Very, very good.
2: We're doing fantastic, guys. And this is our first podcast, so we're really excited to be uh,
3: with you today. Yeah, we seem to have done uh, almost every other kind of media at one point or another, <laughs> but for some reason, podcasts. Uh, yeah, well, you guys, we well, we had to wait for the best, right? We had to go to the best <laughs> podcast first. That's, so.
1: that's what I like. You're preeminent, is oh. what you call it, and award-winning. Flowery so right. will get you that's, everywhere. <laughs> and and uh, it's not it's not unusual that we uh, we are your first. So there we go. Um, okay. So Andre, did you have the first question or would you like me to ask it? Or what would you like to do here? You know, How did you want to take I, on the little engine that could?
0: I do know I want to dive into a bit of history about Leaning Post. But what's very, very exciting is when I went to pick up uh, to pick up some wine um, and I needed to buy a bottle of the Lowry Vineyard Pinot Noir. But that's not what we're tasting on the podcast. Frankly, to see if yeah. Ilya did as good a job as Thomas did with his 2017 Lowry Pinot Noir, but I noticed that there is a happening expansion happening at the winery. So congratulations on that.
3: Oh, thank you.
1: I I think, Andre, before you start digging into uh, Leaning Post, I think maybe Ilya should uh, give us a little bit of his background. Like, how does he come to own his own winery? Because obviously you just don't, you know, walk into it unless you're like super rich. Uh, So Ilya, what is your background? How do you come to Ontario wine and winemaking? Let's do that.
3: Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so actually uh, probably the the most uh, interesting thing is that both Nadia and I aren't even from Ontario originally. We actually um, are both from the uh, grape-growing Mecca of Winnipeg, Manitoba, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, um, yeah, as you know, not a grape-growing Mecca. Um, but we, you know what, uh, both um, – I, I really fell into, um, into making wine um, – uh, really uh, through just a love of food and wine. Um, and actually, is a weird thing. I, I've, I read an article um, just in the University of Manitoba uh, uh, bookstore about uh, the Brock program here in St. Catharines. And I just, I remember thinking the very naive thought of, um, you know what? Um, I can probably do that. I can make wine. Sure, why not? <laughs> so, you know- and that was that was literally um, the the genesis. I just came here, applied, uh, did my. And that was
2: in '99. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. that was um, a, you know pretty much 20 years ago. As crazy as that sounds, um, and then uh, yeah, moved here, um, did that. Uh, spent about 12 years working for other people. Uh, so in in some pretty decent wineries, so a place called Daniel some of you might have heard of uh, I was in charge of a Foreign affair in Vineland for about four years um, did some vintages in uh, New Zealand um, and then um, Nadia and I um, Had the even crazier idea. So I was already a winemaker but We had the even crazier idea of saying that we wanted to actually uh, open our own winery. So uh, started leaning post with the 2009 vintage on Lowry Pinot uh, um, as a virtual as a virtual project, um, I made the wines at Foreign Affair uh, when I was the winemaker there. And then um, we took the even crazier step in 2011. Uh, Nadia and I uh, actually went uh, property shopping for about two or three years. And uh, in February 2011, uh, bought our current property uh, that, that we have uh, that Leaning Post is on.
0: So, when you were growing up in in Winnipeg or, or raised in Winnipeg, what was the, the the culinary scene like to kind of draw you to to winemaking? Like I grew I grew up in Regina, and you know oh you
1: haven't dropped that bomb in a while.
0: No, I, I, I haven't. Oh, but well, there I
3: mean, you go. We got we got the Western connection. But 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 that but that, be, but that be, I
1: was born in Edmonton. I don't see anybody. I don't th- flaunt that every time I care a <laughs>
0: But I mean, it's it's just like I think about like because my my love of wine does come from drinking wine with my parents. But you know, I look back on what you know they kind of weaned me into fine wine, and it was a lot of wolf blast. I mean, you go to the liquor store in Saskatchewan; it's still a subpar yeah. selection compared to the country. So, like, uh, what what cultivated this this love of food and, and, and wine before applying to the program? Like, what made you think like, oh,
3: yeah? The, the weird thing is, is uh, so so you at least had your parents. Uh, like uh, sort of introduce you to that. My parents um, are not real drinkers. They barely drink at all of any any kind of alcohol and, and certainly not in any fine wine. Um, I mean my mom is, uh, is a visual artist, but it's not the same thing at all. And they weren't – so I don't know. I think it was just a weird attraction of like I was really into food, really into culinary – and um, wine was sort of an offshoot and somehow that led me to it rather you know but but honestly like i said i had this sort of really naive thought of like i really like wine i should i could probably do that which um sometimes you have those weird moments in your life and that just kind of takes you down this road and then um and then you know nadia followed me down here but was in uh, was actually in in business so i'm not really related to wine directly
2: no, for me, I was in commercial banking, sitting across the table from entrepreneurs every single day, and I totally caught so, the. So
1: bag. you were wor- so you were used to drinking in the afternoon anyway.
2: Well, absolutely, I worked for the bank, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but I just wanted I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and uh, I didn't really know anything about any business uh, but he knew something about wine and we had this really crazy idea hey we should start a winery and stupidly I had a I did a um, a back of the napkin um, a very naive back of the napkin numbers of thinking that we could do this I mean it was the most naive napkin I've ever written on in my life, um, because I had no idea what costs, uh, were in front of us, but whatever, it was enough to get us started. And we started virtually and, um, started pulling cash flow from selling wine, um, to restaurants only. And it gave us the impetus and the, the balls, uh, to, to do this. So it, um, whatever, whatever road you come to this business, um, I don't know. It's a crazy one, but uh, it's worthwhile. I mean, I'm now. Uh, I've now left banking. Um, I. I think it's about 18 months ago. I got my uh, certified sommelier um, uh, certificate um, uh, in Toronto with uh, uh, the Somme Factory and uh, the Guild. And to me, I, I I was tired of everybody only wanting to talk to my husband about wine. So I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna get some knowledge behind me, and I'm going to uh, be able to be a, a, a full-fledged member of this business, and not just uh, the wife of.
0: I, to be fair, I think every tasting that I've done at Leaning Post, even in the capacity of, of a writer, I've always done it with you, Nadia, and and I've always really enjoyed the the passion that you speak with your your wines like you're you're both very proud of what you do and i
1: i I did one with Ilya i think when they first started but his barrel room was so small i don't think i got past the door
3: Well, we, we're we're only slightly larger now, <laughs> but, but we're really hoping Getting that's larger one, of the, every one day. of the things we're doing is uh, is, is rapidly outgrowing our, our building. So, as Andre mentioned, I mean, we've uh, we're definitely doing a big expansion. So, we're more or less doubling the size of our building at the moment. So, we're in a, kind of a completely different um, stage in our business. But we are almost 10 years in, so so it's been really nice to see. I mean, the biggest changes. is um, even 10 years ago, I think what we were doing was maybe seen as a bit kind of crazy and um, And just because, like I said, we didn't, um, I think Nadia has probably alluded to it, but we didn't have any big financial backing at all. Um, Our entire financial backing consists of us making some wine um, going out there assuming eventually some people will want to buy it and then using that that money to uh, to buy more grapes and make more wine. <laughs> and then eventually that would lead to a property and all these things. But all these things are built as a real business. Like to us, yeah. the wine business, we love it. It's our passion. I mean, I, would, I couldn't imagine doing anything else at all with my life, but we've also always treated it as a business. It's not um, sort of a sideline for us. Um, maybe uh, for some people it might be, but for, for Nadia and I, I mean, this is what we do full-time now. We're both uh, full-time in the winery, uh, we have a bunch of employees. We, you know, like it's it's a business for us, and we we want to do both things. We want to get yeah. our uh, get our passion for wine and our passion for especially terroir driven Niagara wine out to everybody, but we also want to make sure that we're always on a solid financial footing because this is the way, um, you know, that we, uh, that we feed, feed our three
2: children. Well.
3: <laughs> so. Feed three children. Um, and, that, and that includes Ilya, right? No, <laughs> no, no, he's no, the I'm fourth.
2: fourth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let, let me ask you, when you started the, the, the business and you got into it, I mean, you were working for other people for 12 years. When you started the, the ver- Leaning Post as a virtual label, what was the moment that you were like? We can do this. This is this is viable. Um, I'm <laughs> on to the right track here. Do, do you remember that moment?
2: I do. It was the day that we got our license on this property. Um, Was it the manufacturer's license? It wasn't even retail. And I brought him home a cake, and I said, I got, I went to a superstore or whatnot, and I said, we are a real winery uh, on the cake. Um, I don't know. I still have a picture of that
3: cake. (laughs) But yeah, we actually, yeah. So apparently it, it was actually on a, it was like a birthday. We had a, we had sort of a little birthday party for our winery, um, which is really quite funny because, um, we didn't even have a tasting room. The tasting room was essentially, uh, like it, it wasn't even finished. I had just kind of, you know, we just had a few tanks, like, you, like Michael, you said at the beginning, we just had a few tanks in sort of, uh, you know, a semi finished barn. <laughs> and that's essentially how we started. Um, but you know, we, we just figured, um, we've always had, we've always had a passion for this business and we just figured, um, as long as people see that and, and they taste the wines, we, we figured, uh, you know, it can't help but eventually work for us. And then as things have done, we've just continue to put the money back in the business and, mm-hmm. and, you know, make ourselves, you know, look a little, uh, maybe a little slicker without, uh, without losing that original, you know, um, as, as, uh, we like to say uh, two shitheads in a barn.
1: So the, uh, the, the the property itself was does it ha- did it have a vineyard on it or it was just a piece of property?
3: No, it did, well, it did, but it was an abandoned vineyard. So it was a sort of, we've all seen those. It's kind of a little bit of a classic <laughs> Niagara um, property in a way. It's got an 1860s uh, uh, red brick house um, and an 1850s barn. And then uh, out back, I mean, it, uh, so the total property is 11 acres. There was essentially about eight acres of broken down vineyard so uh, you know it, it had been a vineyard in the past for many years but uh, you know it, it had not been taken care of for probably 25 or 30 years so you know at the time we were very excited but now looking back at the pictures I mean what we really bought was um, you know a lot of weed potential and posts and wires so Na- Nadia, <laughs> and a lot of a, a lot of potential so
1: Nadia what did you say was planted there prior
2: Foch
1: and Deshonac. That's what I thought. I heard the Deshonac, uh, the Foch. Uh, I think I would have. I think I would have got. Uh. A, uh. A, a ran away screaming from that.
0: Matt, the the abandoned vineyards though. Like if, if anyone listening to this podcast hasn't had a chance to see one, it's really remarkable seeing what the ab- abandoned hybrid vineyards can do. There's one next door to um, Ridge Point where um, where we bought Pinot in 2017. It was a. I'm thinking it was Baco, and nobody touched the vineyard all summer and it will really grow like a weed. No,
3: Bako's horrible for that.
0: I mean, there was so much fruit but so much leaves, so much growth, everything like it 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 literally looked like a like the, the swamp thing.
3: Yeah, and and that's not dissimilar to what This place looked up uh, looked like, although um, I would say that it had been a very long time because even those grapes were were starting to really uh, like fall apart. There wasn't a lot of like growth of grapes (laughs) going on on this place, so it was more like old infrastructure. So we spent basically a couple of years uh, ripping that out, uh, and then. Uh, in uh, 2013, in the spring of 2013, we planted uh, five acres of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay on our property. So
1: See, I, don't, I don't even like pulling weeds out of my own garden, so I can't imagine what it'd be like to rip out like vines and stuff like that. So that's just
3: because you're uh, lazy. It was, you know, more or less two years of work just to get it kind of at a plantable point and I mean when we really look at it I mean it's basically been more or less 10 years of fixing up something <laughs> um, but it's been amazing and, and um, uh, you know that's part of the joy is because we live here as well on the property so it's our home so I think the biggest thing that Nadia and I i am sure she can back me up on this is we try and treat every person who comes to our place like they're entering our home we really want well, to feel- family like, like, yeah, like, like, we live here, and and their friend, long lost friends or family, and we want to tell them our story.
1: So I think that's a, that's a good uh, segue to uh, get us into a first bottle. So I'm going to ask you guys. You know the three bottles we have. Which one are we going to start with?
3: Uh, we're going to start with the uh, the 2018 Senchuk Vineyard Chardonnay. But Got maybe it. we can talk about the two Chardonnays uh, together just because uh, they are related. They're actually both from our vineyard, and we can just talk about kind of how um, – uh, why we have two Chardonnays. So and then we thought – the three wines we're doing today are all from our state vineyard, and we thought that was a good way of just kind of talking about this, uh, this spot um, in Niagara because it's, I think, a little bit unique compared to other places. So –
0: Maybe before we get into get into the the two differences, um, what made you decide to plant Pinot and Chardonnay?
3: Um, I think the biggest thing is so I mean, well, two reasons. One, um, uh, we love it. Both, yeah, both exactly. <laughs> both, both Nadia and I absolutely love love uh, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. So when we were looking for a property, um. We always had that at the back of our minds. Um, so what we were looking for in Niagara is even though um, I think a lot of people maybe think of Niagara as kind of one big region There's a lot of little sub and a lot of little microclimates and differences um, And some of those differences can actually be quite stark um, So I sort of had a particular idea of the kind of chardonnay and pinot I also wanted to make um, and that is quite a cool climate style lots of acid lots of freshness lots of kind of focus So that meant looking for a certain type of property and where we bought. Uh, is in a little town called Winona, and it's a really neat spot because it's quite a narrow part of Niagara, so the lake and the escarpment are really close together, and what that does is really keeps our um, our entire vineyard as a whole really cool uh, temperature-wise uh, throughout the growing season, and then, so that was sort of what, like, that led us to thinking, well, that's automatically, I thought, Chardonnay and Pinot, because that's what they like as grape varieties. So if you want to make really interesting, intense, terroir-driven Chardonnay and Pinot, then you kind of want that climate so it was sort of self fulfilling like you know i don't know if it's a chicken and egg thing but the kind of wine we like we kind of took a bit of a flyer on the on the vineyard because of course the vineyard wasn't like an established kind of like top tier vineyard it was you know an abandoned vineyard that looked and felt like it should be right for us
2: so i'll be honest i'll tell you a funny story i used to do a Grimsby farmers market when we first started and an old man came up to me and he says hey you what are you doing there? I see what you're doing Everybody knows the only thing that Winona can grow is houses. And the first time we won platinum at the National Wine Awards for our Chardonnay, and when we've had wine writers, you know, gleaming and glowing about our Pinots, I think about that old man so often, and my middle finger does go up to him <laughs> frequently. <laughs> because just because just because it is not an established area we know beamsville and the bench is wonderful, but we need to be talking and looking and trying new things and experimenting with land in Niagara. I, we sh- There shouldn't be abandoned vineyards. Try something else. You know, I just, I mean, I, I, there, don't get me wrong, there are some places where it's too cold or it just didn't work or somebody's abandoned it, but just because the family didn't want to do it any longer, it does not mean that this is not a wonderful growing region. I mean, Winona is the home of the Peach Festival.
1: If it's Peach also the is home right of here, Memphis Grill, if I'm not mistaken.
3: It is. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Memphis Fire Barbecue. I mean, what more do you want? Like, yeah. basically, great wine and barbecue. So
1: Before you guys and came Peach's... along, that was pretty much what Winona was known for, wasn't it? That's
3: right.
1: <laughs> And I still haven't gone. I can't believe I'm a barbecue fan. I've never been to Memphis. It's good. Oh, you
3: have to. It's go. really yeah, good. It's, it's, actually, it's actually, legit, I think, actually,
0: I think I went there. I can't remember what the event was the day before. But like, Nada, you knew that I was hungover, and I was there with a friend of mine. And you, you told us where to go. You, uh-huh.
1: you said, oh, she's told you where to go many times. Oh yeah.
0: No, but yeah. I think she's. I think she saved my saved my life that day. Memphis barbecue. It has it has restorative powers.
1: Definitely. Well, I, I remember Steve Byfield and I were always supposed to go together, and uh, he's now gone like four or five times, and we I just we've just never been able to go together.
2: And, the only and... difficulty is you do roll out of there um, because it is you just you, you can't stop eating. It, that's the only problem.
1: <laughs> do they serve your wine there?
2: They no. don't serve any wine there, and well, they actually yeah, have. Fair. If you ask for a second beer, they tell you it's uh, not a pub, so they and they recommend a pub down the street. So I've, I've heard that, beer. But, they,
1: but they do sell beer and wine, or, or just beer. Just, just
2: beer. Just
3: beer.
1: Just beer. Yeah,
3: and, uh, ju- just a single beer. Yes, I, I read that <laughs> with somewhere. Your meal. I that was pretty it's very though. specific. <laughs> so that's gotta, the only I, weird thing about the place. Yeah, you literally ask for I, a second beer, and they and they say that's okay. Here's your bill.
1: I think we got. I think we got to connect you guys because I know you've got a Winona Red or something like that. So
3: we do.
1: I think that would probably go really well. And they could sell by the glass. I'm just
3: saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably, you're right.
0: So uh, I, here's here's an in- interesting question. Like I, I, I'm,
1: I'm still... surprised you don't want to try Chardonnay. For God's sakes, man! You've gone almost half an hour without you know uh, waxing poetic about a Chardonnay. I like the story. I want I to hear more of it. But, do, but do, why don't we try a wine so that we're not uh, rushing okay, okay. through them at the end. Absolutely.
0: Okay, you you, why don't, why don't we? you you taste the wine, Michael. I'll ask the question and then I'll taste the wine while someone starts to answer and, the the question. And these two want to drink. They have three children.
3: <laughs> it's true.
2: Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do My first my first is already half done. Oh,
0: okay. Do do <laughs> yeah. both of you have like a particular Chardonnay? And or Pinot, where it was just like the moment that you were just like, this is what I want to make. And it doesn't have to be from Niagara. Um, it just t- tell, tell me about the moment, you know?
3: Um, yeah, it doesn't. It, I mean, to be honest, um, the, the neat thing is it kind of grows. I mean, I was very lucky, I um fell into pretty much, um, the oldest Chardonnay vineyard in Niagara at Danielenko. And literally at the beginning of my career, my first winemaking job uh, was assistant winemaker at Danielenko. Uh, and that was in the early 2000s. So I started there kind of at the end of 2001, <laughs> um, working with kind of 50 year old Chardonnay vines <laughs> um, and, on the bench. And so uh, immediately, um, I loved what that was doing, and I started really getting into Chardonnay very quickly because of the place that I started working, Um, and what really amazed me, honestly, I I can't say it's an exact moment, but um, the more I got into Chardonnay, the more I started going back to um, really original old world examples, Burgundy, um, and going back, and just seeing how niagara really stood up to that was the most kind of eye-opening thing to me because we know that there are great examples um from the old world especially places uh, like i said um, you know mainly burgundy but lots of parts of the world make chardonnay and pinot um but then to see um, how niagara was both i think quality wise right there um and you know in some ways really similar and then in a whole bunch of ways different which is the part that i'm really kind of obsessed with especially now that i've got you know a bit of uh, a bit of experience under my belt um i really want to promote you know all the things that make niagara chardonnay great does that make sense like i really want to uh, i really want to make sure that we're putting out something that's super distinctive that isn't Aping anyone else in the world, because um, I do think we can stand up to just about anybody quality-wise, um, especially if you put the effort in, because uh, well, we have a really, really unique climate, and I think that's um, that's kind of what separates us from from a lot of parts of the world in Chardonnay.
1: Oh, I I get what you're talking about. Andre just thinks that because he is such a Chardonnay fan, <laughs> uh, and that basically I think he bathes in it now, that uh, that everybody has so to bad. have that holy moment when it comes to Chardonnay and I think we all come to wine in a different way and it's not always just one particular grape that makes us love it it is the diversity of wines that can be made from different parts of the world different grapes uh, and finding to me it's not you know honing in on one Chardonnay, it's honing in on different grape varieties and what they do in different parts of the world.
0: But I I agree, I'm not disagreeing with you, Michael, it's just, the thing that I find fascinating as a writer is the fact that Chardonnay does so well virtually anywhere on the planet that, that grows grapes, that it
1: handles warm climate, it handles cool climate, but it really feels like... But, it, it, it's but equal, you want it's, everybody to have a holy shit moment when it comes to Chardonnay. And not everybody has that moment with just Chardonnay. They have it with wine. No, but I, under, I, under, I understand that. Oh, I you, you have wait, a holy shit
0: moment.
2: A- I have a holy shit moment. Let's hear, it. Moment. Let's hear it. With, so when with, with
1: Chardonnay uh, or with
0: wine?
2: With Chardonnay. With Chardonnay. Oh.
1: Well, so then you can join I, Andre's bandwagon here then.
2: So, uh, Oh, I can say I'm hard for Shard all the time. Um, I love it. So um, at the beginning, I didn't, and Ilya essentially said, I'm putting a stop to this, because this is insanity. The first night, he made bacon carbonara, next night, scallop, Thursday night, lobster. I didn't want to tell him I was in love with chard after the lobster because I just wanted him to keep cooking. <laughs> but to me, I find a lot of times I'll, I may not love a wine, and then when I have that like aha moment with a pairing I am so much more open to coming back to it and I think uh, I think Chardonnay uh, that's we happen for a lot uh, that happens uh, a lot here so many people say they hate Chardonnay don't pour me a Chardonnay and I start with our 50 Chardonnay that we're not pouring today but like i'm serious michael i want to put like a bell in the winery for those people who say i don't want to try chardonnay don't pour one for me um and they go oh this is chardonnay amazing that's just I, I ring just...
0: the bell every time pinkish shows up
2: Look, well, we I, I, I'll, I'll admit I really
1: I really do like your 50 Chardonnay I think it is you know it's a well-priced Chardonnay it's got a great little story to it it's it's got the right amount of fruit every year uh, and I'm always I'm always a fan of that Chardonnay I have I have never not tasted that wine and go damn that's a good Chardonnay thank you so, and coming from me, I hope that's, that's higher praise than coming from Andre, who just, if it says Chardonnay on the label, label, label. Blah, oh, blah, shut blah. up,
0: Michael. But I mean, just to finish the point that I, w- I was making, and Nadia, thank you for, for telling me about your, your moment, because I think that a lot of people have those moments. And if anyone goes to andrewinerview.ca, I just wrote a Chardonnay manifesto that talked about my moments with the, with the grape, and I feel fortunate to be able to... Um, to remember them, it's just the thing I find fascinating about Chardonnay, and why it's something I love so much is it's an e- I feel like it's an equal mix of needing the hands of a, a very skilled winemaker, and it's a reflection of the climate, regardless of of where it is, and that's why the the good stuff is so good. Oh,
3: absolutely! absolutely. No, it's 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 uh, that, I mean the the thing that's amazing to me about Chardonnay, honestly, is it, um. It's, it's one of those rare things that, like, um, combines, like, in a way, it's, it's literally the most planted grape variety in the world, right? So, it, 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 you know, on one level, it's super, super populist. You could argue it's the most populist wine in the world. And yet, um, when it's great, um, I think that's why I continue to be fascinated by it, is it's both populist and sort of high art. And it can do both things, and it's the same grape variety. Like you said, you, it can do, um, you know, it can do something easy and breezy and not that interesting, um, but perfectly lovely. Or it can do something really fascinating and possibly, you know, mind or life altering. And it's kind of the same grape, um, and it just depends where you grow it and how you grow it and how you treat it. Um, and that is always fascinating to me because, you know, it's sort of in a way like Pinot Noir is not nearly as populous as Chardonnay in a way. Um, and yet it, it has this ability to uh, to be interesting and, and even sometimes transcendent in a way that Pinot Noir is. Um, and I find that fascinating because uh, normally when something is super, super interesting, it's not always um, necessarily that popular, you know what I mean? <laughs> like sometimes uh, it, it, it's sort of a disconnect between people who are really into wine and then P, and then you know maybe people who just want to drink wine as a beverage among many options, right? And but, I just find it fascinating that Chardonnay can pretty much cover all of those people.
1: But, well, you took amazing. the words right out of my mouth. So, yeah, but the, that the, word the producer... transcendent because Pinot Noir is usually the uh, the wine that most people talk about as being that. You know that again. Let's go back to it. That holy moment where they went, "I really love Pinot," uh, and Andre seems to want everybody to have that moment with Chardonnay, and he keeps pushing on it. But most people will have more of that moment with a Pinot than they will with Chardonnay.
3: Uh, I don't I yes yeah I, I don't know if I agree with that I think um it's more just there's more Chardonnay so I think that the, the, it's what I was just saying about like the populism of Chardonnay I mean there is just so much Chardonnay available uh, and out there and um, I think it's just a matter of of that sort of happening right so I think um, there's just a lot more Chardonnay made therefore a lot more Chardonnay that maybe is good but not necessarily transcendent you know what I mean whereas you have to really it's just like any other grape you have to really put that that um, effort in whereas with the Pinot the difficulty with Pinot um, when it comes to difficult? populism, is, is, is it, it's just as a crepe variety, it, it doesn't deliver always. <laughs> and, and Mike... it's, it, it, it can be either weird or thin or really transcendent, but there's not a lot in between. It's not the same. It doesn't do the sort of middle of the road thing that well. Um, so when you have a great Pinot, it is a holy thing (laughs) because it's just like it's so different from maybe something else you've had where you were like oh i just didn't like that where chardonnay sometimes it's only mistake might be the chardonnay sometimes falls somewhere in the middle where it sometimes falls in a little bit of a gray area uh, as opposed to being like really awful or really great so anyway that's my my take
2: let's talk about a really good one
0: yeah yeah i actually just just before we get because i do want to talk about the christ andre stop but mike no (laughs) but i want i want to clear i just want to clarify something because i i do find it fascinating to ask people about what their moments are with specific wines it's, it's not just about chardonnay the reason i'm asking about yes. chardonnay in this podcast is because you like you, chardonnay no because we nadia 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 and Ilya have chosen to plant chardonnay like there is a commitment that goes into putting roots in
1: everybody the in niagara plants chardonnay everybody in the prince edward county does chardonnay everybody in lake Erie north shore does chardonnay andre it's planted everywhere <laughs>
2: Ah, but not everybody does Chardonnay extremely well. I think yeah, the people think. who really care and like put their heart and soul into Chardonnay, and it's your focus and your dream and your passion that comes across in the wines. Thank you. I mean, you. we didn't just decide. Oh, you know what? Well, if we if we made a decision. Oh, well, you know, people buy Cab Sauv. Let's plant Cab Sauv. Let's plant this. Let's plant Riesling. We made a very conscious decision to plant wines that absolutely. Absolutely move us, and those wines move other people as well. So I don't know. I'm, I'm. I think
3: I'm. Uh, I think I'm on Andre's side on this one.
0: You couldn't have said it better myself. Let's talk about I the wine, thought. Michael.
3: <laughs> Here, let's talk, let's talk about the two Chardonnays, and we can get into prior that. I to well. hear Andre. Yeah. Thank you,
1: Nadia. <laughs> that
3: was awesome. Um, so let's let's get into. We we thought it'd be cool because I totally agree with what Nadia said. It is. It was in the end our focus. Like a great example is in our total production at our winery. Um, if you add up. Like Chardonnay and Pinot Noir are pretty much equal of our production. They're each about 30% of our production. So 60% of our production total um, is just these two grape varieties. So we do take it pretty seriously. And the two Chardonnays we brought here, we thought it would be awesome to just show you guys um, just a little lesson in terroir. And... um, and um, you know why uh, Chardonnay in a cool climate like our vineyard is really different from those sort of um, just run-of-the-mill Chardonnay. Um, so I yeah. thought that the coolest way to do that would be to show you these two wines. So um, what we've brought is our, is basically they're both 2018 Chardonnays, both from our estate vineyard. So the only difference between these two wines, all of the vinification is identical. So uh, they're both wild ferment, wild mallow. They were both in barrel exactly the same amount of time. The only difference is actually the specific part of the vineyard that the Chardonnay was grown and the clones uh, that those are part of, because we have two clones of Chardonnay, and they're on kind of two different soil types. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I thought it'd be awesome to show these two wines side by side, and then we can talk about kind of how they mesh together. So, so
1: because one, to... one is the clone ninety six, and the other one obviously is the blend of the two. And uh, I did a little a little reading on your back label. Yeah. Uh, I understand the clone ninety six is a oh, three barrel. Is that is that correct? I,
3: actually, Actually, this year was two barrels, but that changes. So the best way to describe the way we make these wines is really, honestly, we probably essentially make the Senchuk Vineyard first. Um, but we don't come into making that Chardonnay with any preconceived notions. So um, the idea with the Senchuk Vineyard is uh, to just try and make what we hope is kind of the best Chardonnay off of our property. But the interesting thing that has always happened is um, – uh, originally when I did that, I thought that the clone 96 would end up being sort of like a secondary wine. And what's happened is, is over time, this is about our third or fourth vintage on this wine now. And what the most interesting part is, um, as we've grown our sort of knowledge of the terroir, we're essentially, when we're putting the two wines together, we're actually making them simultaneously of sort of like, we're trying to make two, distinct wines does that make sense and it's cool that like originally the idea was to sort of almost like have tiers but as it's turned out when we do the right stuff and when it works out which i think these two did they're really like of equal quality they're just totally different styles they're kind of like siblings right like like um you know like they're two brothers they're they're related but they're different.
2: And what I love about it as well is that, like, like clone 96 and the 548, which is primarily in centric with a little bit of clone 96, um, if you put those wines together, um, they they taste fine, but there's nothing transcendent about it. Uh, what Ilya really does is, like, the passion and the mad scientist uh, that he is when, when they're putting these wines together, it is just, I, like, you find the best in Senchuk, uh, and then you, and then Clone 96. Honestly, always tastes wonderful, all on its own. I think what the first time we made Senchuk, it took six months to find the right blend, and then like we tasted the rest of Clone 96, and we said, oh crap, that tastes really good. Um, but it, sometimes that's how it happens, and it, it's continued to move down that road, and it's it's just wonderful to see so many places, if they don't take chardonnay seriously, are just kind of, well, that's, we only have two and a half acres of chard. Let's just throw it all together and vinify it, you know, the clones together. And it is what it is. Ilya really takes pains of keeping the clones separate. And now we actually keep the one part of our vineyard where there's a little bit more clay. And we, we make sure those are vinified separately from the other soils. Because like we give a crap about terroir, um, Um, uh, And even on a a two-and-a-half-acre parcel, you shouldn't worry so much because that's not a lot of wine. But he cares, and I think you taste the difference.
1: So there is definitely a difference here. I do have one question before I I get into any kind of tasting note. How much new oak uh, is in the Senchuk vineyard?
3: (laughs) Well, so that, that's uh, – uh, you know what? I'm not going to tell you guys, and the only reason I say that is because I'll be interested to hear your answer. Then I'll tell you the real answer because um, um, I would be interested to hear what you guys have to say just generally about the two wines. I mean I'll give you like, like a quick idea of where the two wines come from on our vineyard. So the Senchuk is, as you were mentioning, more 548 is the majority of it still, and there's a bit of 96 clone in it. Um, but the 548 does tend to have more – of a clay portion in the soil. uh, Whereas the clone 96 is on a part of our vineyard that is a bit more sort of alluvial kind of stony and silty. so it's a little bit of a softer soil. So although there is some clay on the clone 96, it's further down. Um, And um, you know, so the two clones are different, Um, but in terms of the actual vinification, they're pretty similar. Um, I just find that the Sanchuk tends to be a lot more sort of like, proper like mineral wet stone like it really kind of ends that way with a fair bit of acid i find the 96 a little rounder you know a little more almost you know like those sort of grilled pineapple almost peach creamier a little bit broader wine um and that really is reflective of how the wines come out like i try not to get in the way of that too much that seems to Mm -hmm. be what we're getting and then I try and just find the best version of each wine if that makes any sense and put that together. My,
1: my well in, in, interestingly enough I think the labels on my wine then were switched because I I find the uh, Senchuk to be a little uh, a little creamier
0: yeah, that's okay. Okay, so I was worried my taste buds were screwed up because Michael and I are actually having a, a a side chat to make sure we're staying on a certain amount of topic. But we were we were swapping yeah. swapping tasting notes here. I, I do find the Senchuk a little bit bigger and a little bit um a little bit more fruit, a little bit more fruit forward. I'm getting a little bit more pineapple on it. I'm not um I, I I'd be very surprised if there was any new oak at all either either one of these wines. Um but like it's it it does have a little bit of that like vanilla and and spice but it's so deeply buried under the fruit and mineral um the, these are these are very tasty very tasty wines
1: well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this, Andre. I'm going to, uh, according to the notes on the back label, which I've already found out are not true, that um, the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Clone Ninety Six is supposed to be all done in neutral. It is, uh, and I it is done, so that is correct.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Well, I guess my point is when I taste them. Uh, <laughs> There's a fair bit of new oak on the Senchuk.
1: Yes, I was going to say that doesn't come across some particularly
3: more woody than the Clone 96, I think flavor-wise, even though, um, you know, like there's a little bit more, but... The interesting thing to me is um, it's one of those situations where we don't worry so much about what the real number is. Does that make any sense? We strictly put these wines together by taste and style. And then, think, you know, it does that make any sense. And then it, it, yeah. I think the 96
1: has got a lot of great mineral notes to it. Totally. Uh, there is a, there is a richness in the mouth, but it is mm-hmm. not oaky. In any way, shape, or form. No. Nope. Whereas I think that the uh, the Senchuk is definitely that more buttery, spicier, um, creamy uh, note to it. Uh, but I thought I, fi- I find the Clone Ninety Six just has a, a real richness that is undercut by that minerality and the acidity, and that Clone Ninety Six to me is 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 a ba- is just the bomb. Whereas I think Andre is going to tell me that the Senchuk is his love.
0: Uh yeah. Yeah, I guess you, you've got me pegged. I'll be honest. I, 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 love, I love, I love both of these wines um, for very different reasons. Because they, they, they. Okay, the heat wave in Toronto is over. The day we're recording this, we're recording this on July fifteenth. You know, on one of those days when it's hot as balls, like the days as hot as Satan's balls, I would love to sit outside and just- You have some intimate knowledge of Satan's balls that I don't think
3: well, I want to somebody's got to. <laughs>
0: but I would love to just sit outside and, and crush the, the Clone 96, just get that, that mineral. And it's just like, you know, we had no rain for two weeks and it's that wet stone, that wet cement that you that you get right before the rain. And it's just, it's so satisfying in the summer. Like to be able to reproduce that because it it is one of the best smells in the world, and like to be able to recreate that on the palate is just it's just satisfying. The, the, the I think
2: sat- it's funny that from being from Toronto that you you really love wet cement. I mean, you know, Niagara we're a little little more green focused here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I love I love living in the city. I I, I, I will admit that, but I, it's just that that smell of ozone and yeah, anyways, yeah. and the- this 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 Senchuk is something that I just feel needs to be. First off, I think it's it's still really too young, um, and that's not saying there's anything wrong with it because it's so crushable right now. But I think it needs a bit of patience, and it's something that needs to be pondered and like put it away and and, and set it aside for a couple of years, and then come back to it.
3: Well, definitely, and I will say, I guess, I guess the point really is, I think you. When we put these two wines together, um, I do think there's a tightness and structural element in the Senchuk, um, and that is deliberate as a winemaker, but it's really only a reflection of what those grapes and those wines are like when we make them. Does that make any sense? That like the 548 tends to be a lot more sort of tight and structural in the core of the wine. Does that make sense? I, th- I feel like the Clone 96 is more of an open book. Uh, as a wine, uh, whereas I feel like the Senchuk sort of unfolds slowly. Does that make sense? And that's just really... uh, I mean, that is deliberate, but it's, it's a reflection of kind of the two parts of the vineyard. So that's why I always think of the 96 as being sort of bigger, because I think of it... Like, I think of wines almost like with a personality, right? And so I think the Clone 96 is just... Friendlier, does that make sense? Like <laughs> more open, more, more, more t- sort of talkative. And I think the Senchuk maybe, um, you know, if you spend a little bit of time getting to know it, then it might have a lot to say, but it might not necessarily be the loudest person in the room. So it's even a though, so even though, like the, even though I
0: like that even though I like that personally, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Senchuk right now. If lines for people, I'm the clone 96 because everyone likes me, and Michael is the Senchuk because <laughs> it takes a little bit to get to know him. <laughs> Oh, is that
1: it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you keep thinking that. Yeah. You keep talking Chardonnay the way you are, people will go like, I don't want to talk to that guy anymore. <laughs> that's all he talks about because he can't yeah. talk about anything else.
3: I'm sure you guys talk about lots of other things. No, but what? So what do you guys think of the wines?
1: Uh, I, I'm, I'm
0: really digging both of them. And... Um, they they actually remind me of a few of the wines that I tasted last time I was in Burgundy, um, in Chessing and and Montrachet, and uh, for forty five bucks, I mean th- this is, I-, I think it's delivering a lot of wine. It's delivering a lot of wine at those price points. Well,
3: thank you. Thank yeah, you no, very no. Much. We, we, I mean, those are certainly our models, but um, so I appreciate that. But. I always like, I, uh, how can I put it? I, I look upon those areas as like, I want our wines to maybe act like old world wines, but I do think they show a distinctly Niagara bent, if that makes any sense. Like, I wanna they make do. sure that what we have is sort of truly Niagara. So, don't, I don't know if they taste that much, but I'm, uh, in terms of the balance and the minerality and the acid and the general feel, Ah, uh, that's totally my model, but again, hopefully, I've taken it to something you know a little uh, a little unique as well. So that's that's anyway that's my hope. It's maker, it's definitely
0: that, reflective that of, of what's up. happening in in Niagara, and and I'll admit because I know I know that making wines that taste like the place they come from is is front and center um, front and center of what you're doing. So I was hesitant to to sort of compare them to to Burgundy, but it's just like it's very clear that your style is looking towards that I don't think that's a bad thing
3: no 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 I, I, I will always take it as a compliment and, and... And in 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 I do look upon it as kind of in the in the same way a lot of chefs do. Like um, there's nothing wrong with saying, look, you know, a lot of as an example, a lot of cooking techniques are French based in terms of the technique. And so that's how the, the same way I feel about it. Like the technique might be sort of rooted in old world and in Burgundy, but then hopefully if you get good enough at it and then you make it your own and you kind of embrace your area does that make any sense so the the background and the technique and the feel and is sort of you know based on some awesome models and then uh and then hopefully we make it you know distinctly canadian and distinctly niagara the
0: the producer of the show has let me know that it is time for us to move off the topic of chardonnay
1: yes it is all right no (laughs) No. problem (laughs) all right so here's Here's what it is. While you guys were off masturbating over Chardonnay, (laughs) I decided to pop the cork on this Senchuk Pinot, and um, it's yummy. Here's here's (laughs) my thoughts. This is your second release of this wine, correct?
3: Uh, Third release. Public, so public uh, third third, sorry, um, sorry, third vintage total, but second release to the public. Does that make okay, sense? so the very first vintage was twenty fifteen. That was just to our wine club, and then sixteen and seventeen are the first that so have been available. 16,
1: I, re- I remember tasting with you, yeah, and um, I was totally blown away at how good it was. And you said something like it was like fourth or fifth leaf or something to that nature. Mm. Uh, you and then we we got into the the talk of oak. And if I'm not mistaken, you said it was a hundred percent new.
3: Uh, it wasn't hundred percent. It was. It was close. It was eighty. Yeah, something, something <laughs> astronomically, some ridiculous stupid. asinine number. Yeah, right. The number. <laughs> you know, it was. It was an. Because even at the time, I was actually fighting that wine the whole way because I didn't like the number. But anyway.
1: <laughs> but I, I remember it being astronomically high, and yet it it had such a finesse to it, and it was such a gorgeous bottle of wine. So you you come at now that's next vintage having having the bar really really high in my book and I was like looking forward to this wine and I'm gonna say it is delicious and it is tasty and I really like it it's not the 16 but it's really good um, I'm, I am I am okay. I am
0: I am crushed right now because I didn't
1: get to taste the 16 um, the 16 was outstandingly Michael, good Michael, this I one this... is very good but the this... other one just it took pinot to another level for me and that 80 percent new oak was just mind-blowing and I, I remember uh doing the video on it and i was like 80 percent you would think this should not work but it was absolutely gorgeous so hats off on the 16 the 17 sits just under it but uh, this wine is also very very tasty
0: you know, I no, awesome. um, I put the wine ahead, in, I right put the on, wine in my glass and I I haven't even tasted. It. I actually made a mistake of over chilling it. It I mean it's not hot as Satan's balls out, but it's still pretty warm in Toronto. I wanted to put a bit of chill on the on the Pinot here.
1: You and Lucifer have something going on there. Oh Andrew. totally. Yeah. I love that show.
0: You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight?
1: Every minute <laughs> and every day. I'm married. The um, I, I I I need to be able.
0: I I I hope that I can get a chance to taste the 16 to do the the side-by-side. I'll see if I can find someone who has a bottle of it. Michael, I don't know if you do, but maybe we'll see.
2: Uh, We actually have some Magnums.
0: Okay, I'll come pick one up on Saturday. Uh, And it better be as good as Michael says, because the 17, I'm drinking it out of uh, a Zalto Burgundy glass right now, and that's not a product placement for Zalto, it's just
1: I love these glasses. I thought you were saying you're drinking right out of the bottle.
0: And it's the the it's so intense that I can smell it. It's 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 about a foot away from my face on my on my desk, and I can still smell the aromas out of the glass without it being close to my face.
3: Yeah, no. What's cool about this wine? What I find fascinating just about our uh, our Senchuk vineyard generally, the Pinot is. Um, Like, you know, we I mean, in the end, we did take a chance on this vineyard, but it was sort of an educated guess. Right. And um, the thing I love about the 17, even compared to the 16, the only thing I'll say that I like a little bit better in the 17 is I think the acid and structure and core on the 17 probably signals that it's going to have a little bit of a longer life than the 16. Um, But having said that. Um, I do think no matter what, the thing about our vineyard here is because we're a relatively cooler spot in Niagara during the growing season, so we essentially have the same growing season length as any other part of niagara it's just our average kind of daily highs are a little bit lower than a lot of parts of niagara and so what you get is this amazing like flavor intensity and i do Mm -hmm. think that's unusual anywhere in pinot like i think pinot there's a lot of pinot in niagara as well but i think in terms of sort of total intensity but in a wine that still isn't Like, overly big, if you know what I mean. I'm not one of those people who believes in huge Pinot. Like, I think Pinot Noir is fundamentally sort of a medium-bodied wine um, with, you know, hopefully decent acidity and hopefully, you know, half-decent tannin, but it isn't supposed to be sort of – Syrah or Merlot like in any way. It's supposed to be medium bodied. Okay, but let's, so define what I find
0: really let's let's really let's...
3: fascinating is when you like in our vineyard, that was my goal is to do uh, you know, a real classic burgundy model in terms of the weight of the wine versus the flavor intensity. Does that make sense? Like I read really yeah, yeah, it. and it's always been my goal. So I I like what Michael was talking about the sixteen. I mean, we released the sixteen with a bit more bottle age than this wine, so I Feel like over time, uh, this one might even beat the 16, but that's more of an aging potential thing, if you know what I mean. Whereas yeah. um, I will admit the 16 was like, boom, like in your face immediately. Um, this one is, I think, a little bit like the cinch of Chardonnay. I think you sort of need to spend some time with it, give it a bunch of air, you know, give it maybe, you know, talk to it the right way, <laughs> you know, give, give it a little bit of love. Um, but I do think like once, um, like I always find this wine sort of like the third day open, like crazy. Wow. So it's one of those kind of wines. So I think over time it could even beat the 16, but it's so hard to know because we're a younger vineyard and on that side, and we, you know, we've only made a few vintages, but, um, I do feel at least our bar, um, for such a young vineyard and what we're doing, I think is incredibly high for anywhere. And I think that's what I'm most proud of with these wines is I think, you know, um, I'm not sure 10 years ago that anyone in Niagara was doing these kind of things right out of the gate. Whereas now um, I'm hoping we're pushing like wine quality for the area as a whole.
0: Well, okay, here's something I want to put to you though. Like let's define what a huge wine is because this Pinot is, it's got a little bit of floral. It's got that that earthy basement. It's got uh, a lot of cherry. And with the the glass on the table in front of me, all I'm smelling is, is cherry. Um, and 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 it's 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 elegant, but I mean, yeah, you're right. It's not Cab Sauv, it's not Syrah, it's it's definitely Pinot. But the intensity on this wine is is off the charts. I mean, it's off the charts for for Niagara. Um, so let, let's define the word huge. How do you define a huge Pinot? Because to me, this is a huge Pinot. Yeah, the tan and soft, but it's still a huge Pinot.
2: I find though, if something's too big on Pinot, like, it, like I'll, I'll compare it to like a California Pinot doing my certified Psalm. I struggled with that because to me, it didn't taste like Pinot from California. If it's too hot, if it's too big, you don't get that beautiful earth. You're not getting the cherry. It's just red wine whereas this there's concentration there's so much going on and the earthiness and the underbrush and so many different layers to me this is like taking a mud bath and then like rolling in fresh soil I just love um uh I I I don't know maybe that's just me I'm visual um I I there's a there's a concentration and a bigness but you you don't need to yeah you don't need to I don't know
3: well you and, guys don't and part, talk about it. Well I know and part of the concentration though I will say is that we just get incredibly low yields. So and um, one of the amazing things that I think shows that our farm is pretty unique in Niagara is we're only getting about one I mean, ask Nadia the accountant on this side. We're only getting one point four to one point eight tons per acre on this Pinot. Um, and yet we're getting sort of in a way like something very structural, but not particularly necessarily bigger weight-wise than a lot of Pinots, Um, but flavor intensity-wise is like off the charts, right? And that's what was always my goal, is to get something where the total size of the wine maybe isn't necessarily much bigger than other Pinots, like sort of alcohol and tannin-wise, but... Um, but flavor intensity-wise, and sort of longevity and acid and all that is hopefully something we haven't really seen from Niagara. So that's always been my goal, and I think we're—you know—I'm I'm making steps towards it. That's how I feel right now. So, what
1: what I what I notice slightly different uh, about this wine, and again, it may come down to that bottle age that you talked about, is that I am picking up a little of that cedar notes at the back of uh from the oak and and maybe the uh the 16 had that time to meld and kind of get rid of it it's not anything that's intrusive in any way shape or form it just kind of sits there on the back palate and says i was definitely in oak um, whereas and i and i don't know what the length of time that the 16 was in bottle before release versus the the 17
3: Yeah, there was about six months uh, extra on the 16, but also they're very different vintages. Like part of – like the 16 we picked, again, relatively early on purpose because it was such a hot year, and I really don't like sort of overblown pinot. And then in 17 it was the exact opposite kind of vintage. It was very cool, so we needed to hang the grapes out in the vineyard just to even get them ripe, right? So they were very – two completely kind of opposite vintages so there's not really a way to change the vintage part of things um and I do think some of that because I've always gotten almost a um not even just cedary but almost a um like uh like full-on like green herbs you know what I mean like almost like tarragon oregano kind of thing Mm. um on this wine especially in the 17 and interestingly um both of those things were in there even before it was put in oak so i mean i've always found that uh, a bunch of that is sort of vintage related right so um then it really comes down to the kind of vintages you might like but also yeah time and um and really you know what your preferences are and i think that's interesting because i actually also felt that the 16 tasted more integrated earlier and I feel like this 17 probably, like I said, in my personal opinion, it might be one of the best pinots I've made. But I'm sort of hedging because I don't know if the pieces have come together as quickly as the 16 did. I feel like the 16 just kind of flicked a switch and was like, oh, man, that's, that's how I wanted it. That's amazing. <laughs> and I feel like this 17 is really, really great, but it just needs a little bit of time. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, I I get that, and I I see that, uh, and when you said six months, like, especially for Pinot, six months can be a lifetime uh, for a Pinot. It's just one of those grapes that, you know, in six months it'll be great, in another year it'll be disjointed, give it another year, and it's fabulous, give it uh, another year, and you're like, Pinot just continues to be one of those evolving wines that – Bottle to bottle, vintage to vintage, doesn't matter what it is. It just seems to have a life-spanning bottle that is just crazy. You could buy mm-hmm. three bottles, and they'll be, oh, they'll all taste not only completely different, but one you're like, why did I buy three? And then one you're like, why didn't I buy ten?
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And no, I do, like I said, we're, we're super, super proud of this wine, just because I do think, my I think, especially, I hope you guys agree, across these three wines, like, I don't think anybody – is producing wines that taste like ours in Niagara. (laughs) Um, And that is the ultimate goal, I think, for Nadia and I, who were we're so passionate about doing the right grape varieties and doing all the right things to make the best wine we can. I think Trust me, the financials don't
2: work want. on Centric Vineyard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but I but I suddenly want barbecue. I don't know why. Yeah, just, exactly.
2: Well, come on down to Memphis.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it all comes back nice to Memphis segue. barbecue. Good, good, good tie
0: <laughs> Man, you know what? Uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest. $65 is a lot to ask um, from everyone anywhere in, in a
2: pandemic
0: <laughs> in a pandemic i mean there's there's lots of reasons why $65 is a lot to ask for for a bottle of wine um, from niagara but i think this is well worth the price of admission and i didn't get to taste the 2016 i am i am definitely i'm coming down again on saturday i'm going to grab a bottle of this i'm going to maybe talk to my wife if i can get a magnum of the 16 and we'll see what we'll see what happens but this is this is stupid good
1: that concentration it was so much, it was so much easier to buy wine when you were single wasn't it andre uh, <laughs> don't just tell me about it
2: <laughs> There's a lady on the podcast, gentlemen. You have to be, uh, you know, above board on this. I'm you know, sure it works for you it's, too, it's, Nadia.
0: Listen, Nadia, it's nothing to do with gender and everything to do with, like, you know, this <laughs> stupid thing about I have this thing to pay called rent and, like, you know, we don't want to we'll be homeless.
1: you living in a cardboard to, box before you got married? Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, like,
0: you know, I can... I bought a new wine rack earlier this year, and there was room for like four cases of wine on it. And here we are, like five months later, and it's full. Welcome to my world.
2: The diff- you guys like what wine, you need but I- to do is you need to have a partner and or if and if they're not as a, a crazy wine lover now, you just make them a crazy wine lover. I mean, when I started, I was just like, I don't know, it's it, it's fruity and it tastes like wine. Shut up. Um, whereas I- Ilya's really put the time in to make me a wine lover. Um, and, uh, you know, it
3: wasn't that hard. You were pretty into it's it. It's so
0: much more fun than banking.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Look. So, and, and he teaches me like uh, so many things. Like one time we went and we tried um, uh, an orange wine out of Amphora. And then he came to me and he says, well, Nadia, can, can we buy some Amphora? I said, yeah, sure. I'm thinking four. <laughs> or, no, what did we say? We bought three? Four?
3: We bought four, we, we bought four but actually, the, so the awesome thing about that, so yes, we did, we totally had some pretty awesome um, orange wine, um, and it was an amphora, and so I had this idea that I might buy one or two amphora um, to make these wines, and then... I poured this wine for Nadia and she's like, "Well, what do you need?" Like four. So I said, "Yes, of course. That's the exact number." <laughs> because <laughs> that just, I was thinking the, just
1: because the name lends to amphora,
3: well, that's right. Four. You have to have at least four, four otherwise it's not purchase. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just buy one. Um, So um, yeah, I was I was so going to basically chips. took <laughs> <Kansas>. <laughs> that's right. So Nadia basically took the words out of my mouth. I was I was going to say that really realistically, um, it won't be a fight if you just you know if you're just both into wine. So you just have to <laughs> pull your pull your partner in enough that they start doing the purchases with you, and then you berate them, and then it spurs them to buy more wine. Um, so, so
1: what you're saying is while you were the, uh, a booze hound, she was a booze hag in, in kind of sheep's clothing and came right out with you.
3: Oh, oh, totally. oh, absolutely. And now and now yeah. she, is, she buys at least – I mean we are 50-50 on wine purchases without question. Might, she might even buy slightly more um, overall. We just – you know we might buy slightly different things, um, but overall at least, um, yeah, I've, she's totally – um, I, like, you gotta remember we're like, you know, we're total partners in, in life, but in this business, um, but totally in our passion for wine as well. And it's been, it's been amazing. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't ask for anybody, uh, for anybody better to do this, uh, this crazy journey with. So
0: on that Aww. note, on that note, on that very, uh, saccharine Sweet
1: note, and sappy and sentimental saccharine moment, saccharine. <laughs> we've
0: been, we've been talking for an hour and I, I, I will I will straight up admit this has been the shortest hour that we've ever done on the podcast um, we're going to have to have you guys back maybe later sure. on in the year see what's new maybe to talk about Harvest or something but let's
1: talk about other things other than Chardonnay. and Pinot I know they you make know GMA what? they make Fab they make yes, I
0: am so I am so on board with that because I know Ilya you have a reputation for Syrah as well
3: I would love to do that. And we do some really funny, we just briefly talked about the amphora, but we're doing some really fun wines. Generally our sort of off the wall uh, series of wines I call Freaks and Geeks. Um, So I do a whole bunch of like really fun uh, experimental things uh, with lees and amphora and concrete tanks and all kinds of cool like super geeky stuff um so we could always i mean we could do a whole show on geeky stuff if you want <laughs> so we can do whatever you guys want and i would i, I would seth, love that i, th- because... I believe
1: seth rogan comes with a bottle
0: too
3: well and I would, I would absolutely well without yeah. question yeah.
0: i would love that because i can see michael cringing say the word oh, amphora. Right. Amphora.
1: why doesn't anybody amphora. go with the Gamay and the cab franc why amphora. does anybody go
0: with weird shit amphora. <laughs> no, you know what i i, amphora.
3: I actually would love this. so i mean you're talking about gamma, but um A Gamay is a great example because we have both Amphora Gamay and then also a classic Gamay, and they're both super interesting. So stuff like that is always fascinating to me because I'm with you, Michael. I actually, um, outside of Chardonnay and Pinot, probably, you know, Riesling, uh, Gamay, Cab Franc. All right, all
0: right, all right, all right, all right. I'm cutting the tape. This is the next podcast. I'm cutting the tape. This is where the interview ends. The tape is cut now. I am the only person who did not contribute to the Brian Schmidt swear jar in that
1: episode, and I am f- proud of myself. Oh, yeah, and a, and a double dose right there. Uh, it is true. Everybody was having their holy f- moment, and you oh, were just having it one. Uh, at home, I guess.
0: Oh uh, man, I, I am like, like my balls are tingling at the thought of tasting the 2016 uh, Senchuk <laughs> Vineyard Pinot. Like, let's you face know what? it, like that, you know that, 20, that right. 2017 is
1: a whole lot of wine, it is. And my- And my, my, I can't believe I'm going to say this, and my anus is wet to try the the Gamay, the Cab Franc, and uh, the Syrah.
0: Oh my god, this is just this is just awful Um, so if you're not completely offended and turned off by what Michael and I have just said, would you consider helping us out on Patreon Uh, you know, $2 $5, Uh, it doesn't seem like a lot, I I hate to sound like the 1996 um, TV infomercial, but for the cost of a cup of coffee a day, you can support your independent wine journalists that are not paid by the wineries to review their wines, we are on our way to tell the real stories of Niagara, and do it without having them in our pockets. So look at us, us up on Patreon. That's Two Guys Talking Wine.
1: We've now got a new Instagram page, so please look us up there as well.
0: You can look at Michael's ugly face whenever you want. Hashtag Two Guys Talking Wine. I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. Hey,
1: it's an at Two Guys Talking Wine. But, and I'm Michael Pingus from MichaelPingusWineReview.com. Take us Thanks away, for Michael. Listening. We always appreciate it. And I'm trying to talk over Andre because all he wants to do is say Chardonnay again. Good night.
0: Amphora. 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 Michael, you sick of this yet? Amphora.
1: Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two
3: Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.